I want to get started today. Today, uh, as I said, we're all dealing uh, through this uh, sort of strange circumstance. The calendar seems to go out the window. You know, uh, there's jokes all over the place. No one's quite sure what day it is or what the month is or so on. But it is April and it's warm and there's almost no snow left on the ground and all those things are happening. And of course, this time of year, of course, it moves. But this time of year also is Easter time. And as I just said before, we're doing Easter service and so on online, but on the Christian calendar, as it were, this week, this Sunday, is Palm Sunday. And so many of us, uh, if you grew up in church, are kind of familiar with that uh, in one way or another. Uh, But if you're not, um, basically it represents the week before Easter and a story that took place in the Bible regarding Jesus. And what's interesting is I find that always there's a way of the Word of God fits into like our life and what we're experiencing as a people right now. And certainly this story of Palm Sunday uh, falls into that. So let's just kind of go back in time a little bit and we have to look back at uh, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday um, is where uh, Jesus um, was walking into Jerusalem. And this is as he entered Jerusalem, uh, basically on his way to what would eventually lead to his trial, his execution and his resurrection. And uh, there's a there's a big story uh, leading up to that, and I encourage you to go read it. It's in all the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But a little background first, okay? Just a, a quick one. Uh, one, it sort of starts, if you will, a preamble, uh, where Jesus is at Lazarus's house in Bethany having dinner, actually dinner in his honor. And there's a good reason they're having dinner in his honor. Uh, Lazarus, if you know your Bible, is the man that Jesus raised from the dead, and so he has returned there not too long later, and they're having dinner. And, um, there's a, um, and, and already there's plots to kill him and even Lazarus at this time and people are upset with him and so on. And, uh, there's a lot going on leading up to, to, at his entry into Jerusalem. I don't want to touch it too much. I'll let you go on it, but there's a lot. There's, we read that as Jesus approached Jerusalem, he cried over Jerusalem because uh, of what he knew was going to be taking place and the sin there. Um, he, he, there was, uh, various prophecies being fulfilled as he went along the way. Um, you'll read that Jesus told his disciples to go find and a donkey would be ready for them to uh, take so that Jesus could ride on it and uh, that fulfills an Old Testament prophecy and so on. So it's already building this sort of powerful, momentous occasion that's taking place. Um, all these miraculous things, you know, going back, visiting the site of Lazarus's resurrection, visiting, um, you know, the site of some fulfilled prophecies and so on. So it's, 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 it's really uh, building up. And so what happens now, Jesus now arrives um, basically at, at Jerusalem. And so for those who maybe aren't aware, you have to understand the historical understanding, old towns, of course, old cities, and if you've been to Quebec City, even here, you'd see it, were surrounded mostly by walls for defensive purposes, right? And Jerusalem was no different. You'll read a history of Jerusalem, walls went up, walls went down. And then in the walls, of course, enter, there were gates, okay? And so again, I'm not going to spend too much time on this, but it's even the gate that Jesus walked to is really, walked through, is very significant, it's very important, because that is the gate that the Messiah, uh, by prophecy, would be, would have to enter. But anyway, let's just go to the basic facts of the matter, that Jesus is, is, is entering the gates, uh, um, and a crowd is gathered. So Jesus now at this time, you know, like you would imagine, has actually gained some notoriety and some fame, some enemies, some some hangers-on, and so on, and of course his core disciples. And uh, the, the word of Jesus of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead has, has, has got around, and people are excited, and he begins to draw a crowd, and as he's entering Jerusalem on this animal, and uh, going through, people start taking um, palm leaves, so, you know, palm leaves, those green 
leaves, as you or if you see that picture for this week's sermon, that's a palm leaf, and they begin waving them and shouting, and <clears throat> they're also putting them on the ground so that the donkey he's on doesn't actually uh, touch the ground. It's 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 walking on a bed, if you will, of uh, of palm leaves, and they're shouting. Uh, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And, and they're all sort of like in a crowd sort of shouting that in a different way. You can read this in the different gospels. And so it's an interesting thing. It's like, well, what, where does this come from? It's in all the gospels. What is this Hosanna? Uh, so it's a, it's, it's, it's this song. And maybe there was an actual song at the time. We don't know, but they were, they, we don't know the tune or anything like that, but this is where they're, they're shouting Hosanna. And we have to understand, um, what they're doing. It's very significant for the crowd at that time to be doing that. It's, it's, it's important to understand that the vast majority of that crowd would have been Jewish. And not only uh, were they Jewish, they would have been religious Jews. In that time, there was very few people who weren't religious. So they would have been knowledgeable people that know what they're doing. They're not just randomly shouting out Hosanna in the highest. They know their scripture. They've been brought up well. They've been attending the, the readings and so on. And they know what's going on. And so they know uh, what they're saying. Um, in fact, this all points back to the book of Psalms. Okay, so if you go to your Bible and you look, Psalm 118, 25 to 26, it says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So that's save us, we pray. In Hebrew is what illiterate translates eventually into this word in English that we call Hosanna. Okay, so Hosanna literally means save us. Right. And so this crowd, when they see him coming, he's raised the dead. He's done miracles. He's coming. They see him coming and they're reacting and they're saying, oh, this could be it. This is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to save us. So they're shouting, save us, save us, save us. And if you read it now, you read it in uh, six times in the New Testament. You see this word, but you read it in John 12, 13. OK, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him crying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. OK. Uh, Matthew 21, 9, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. You see, so, so these people from their different perspectives are all uh, seeing uh, the same thing. Uh, this crowd is acknowledging at this point what they think about him and so on. Now, it's important uh, to remember uh, that the, the scripture before I told you about from Psalm 118 is a little deeper. So sometimes when I when you get referred to a scripture, right, it's really important to look at the ones before it and the ones after it to kind of put that whole story into context. So if you go back and read all of Psalm 118, it's very interesting. We're just going to look at a few verses, and because this is actually what would be called a messianic prophecy. And so what that means is this psalm, this section of the psalm, is about the Messiah to come. Okay, so we're going to read it, and it says... Um, from verse 22 in Psalm 118 says, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Then it goes, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For the house of the Lord, we will bless you. Okay? And so that's the context of it. And I want to go back to the beginning. You know what it says? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So that's actually a reference to Jesus. And what that means is, just real quick, uh, the cornerstone of a building is the stone that actually eventually, essentially sets right the whole building. So that cornerstone takes the right angle for the wall going up, the right angle for the wall going across, and essentially, if you will, holds the whole building up. It's the most important one. 
Okay, so it's saying the stone, Jesus, who the people rejected, is in fact the cornerstone. He's the most important. And you're saying, well, hold a second. He's coming into town now. Everybody's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're all praising him. They're laying down the palm leaves. Everything's wonderful. But of course, we know the end of the story. The crowd, the same crowd, roughly. We don't know if it's all the same people. But the same group, if you will, that's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. One week later, or less than a week later, is crying, execute him, kill him, execute him. Okay, we don't know if all the people did that, but we know at least some of them would have. And so what changed and what was going on, right? Why what, why the sudden change? But um, you have to understand this crowd now. This crowd in Jerusalem, they see him coming and they were living in expectation of a Messiah, someone coming to save them from their bad situation. Um, now, we think we're in a rough situation right now, right? We, we've got schools closed and businesses closed and airports closed and nobody can travel and so on and hey it's not easy and there are people dying and it's serious and it's rough but even if we were to take this uh situation and say but we still are able to go to our homes we still have electricity we still have safety relatively you know we still have access to medicine we still have access to food and so on and so forth our circumstances even compared to the people that we're talking about now they were first of all the people of jerusalem the whole area there were under uh, the oppression of the Roman Empire. So they didn't run their own affairs. They weren't in charge. They were under the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire had a garrison there, what that means is a bunch of soldiers there that could pretty much do whatever they want. They made the laws, and if they felt you were a criminal, you were dead. If you were thrown in jail, there was no habeas corpus. You know, there was no rights to uh, free speech. There was none of this stuff. And so they were under the boot of the Roman oppressors. And they were feeling it. And of course, in that time, too, the vast majority of people were basically grinding out a daily life. They didn't have a lot of food. They didn't have a lot of money. Uh, things were tough. There wasn't medicine like there is now. There was a high infant mortality rate. I mean, this is the reality that these people lived in. And so when they're yelling out, save us, save us, and I don't blame them, a lot of the, what they're, they're yelling out, save us from, is from their circumstance. Okay? And there were, a lot of us could be like that. They're saying... Oh, Lord, don't you know that we're suffering under the Roman Empire? And a lot of them believed that what the Messiah would do would come and overthrow any power that was uh, crushing the Jewish people. Okay? And then they would say, oh, you know, free us from this slavery and from this whatever. And and, and it's not that God uh, doesn't want to free us from these things, but the, the important thing that we're going to talk about here, when they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, they're right. But when they're saying, save us, save us, the question is, what? are they asking to be saved from? Okay? So they were talking about Rome, poverty, sickness, etc. Not all of them, but I'm sure that was the general feeling, okay? And so what they may have missed as a crowd, and what we miss sometimes, and even we could be missing right now as we feel the stress and anxiety of everything we're going through right now, is that Jesus isn't coming to save us from our circumstances. It's It might be even hard to hear sometimes, but Jesus is coming to save us from sin and death. And so there's our circumstances, as tough as they might be. And then there's other people's circumstances, which are certainly worse. I mean, even today in places, forget coronavirus, where believers are, are killed for what they believe, Christian believers are killed for believing in Jesus. I mean, we can't even come near to, to understanding that sort of oppression. But and Jesus didn't come to save us from that. He came to save us from sin and death. It's a whole another level of conversation, and that's we want to we want to dig into. Jesus himself said this, right? Luke 19:10. Jesus said, "The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost." Well, who's lost? I'm I lost. I can't find my way. I'm lost. I don't know who I am. No, lost spiritually. The ones who are lost that that because of sin, 
are lost from their connection from God. They don't have that, and he's come to save them. Let's look at John uh, 12. You could read the whole portion, John 12, 44 to 50. I'm not going to go uh, through it all. But Jesus says, If anyone hears my word and does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Okay, so Jesus' mission is to save. God the Father will judge in, in a time to come, but Jesus' mission is to save the world. Right? For what? To save us from sin. Okay, so when you hear the the word Hosanna, translated that we know as Hosanna, it's save us, or he's the one that has saved us. So what he's saying here is, I'm the one who's doing this. You're calling out Hosanna, save us? I'm the one. And so the crowd, rightly or wrongly, whether they're doing it ignorantly or not, they were getting it right on that day, but maybe they're understanding or their goal or their their what they thought would come of it was something a bit off base the understanding of course is they were in a rough situation you might be in a rough situation now facing what we're facing we might be in a rough situation personally spiritually and it, it, it what this tells us is that when we get to a point where we come to the end of ourselves okay where we realize i cannot do this on my own i can't do it with help from other people i can't do it with self-help i can't do it uh with anything I need intervention, but I need something beyond what the world is offering. I need supernatural intervention. That is Jesus. So Hosanna means then salvation. So if Hosanna means salvation, that's something that we can use today. So today is Palm Sunday, and the same as it was uh, 2,000 years ago when Jesus entered Jerusalem. You can today shout or say Hosanna, which is both a cry to the Lord, please save us, but then also like a recognition of he is the one who did the saving. So that's what it's become now. There was a point in time where it was just save us, but now we say Hosanna to, in the highest, we say Hosanna to the King of Kings. We're shouting, save us, or you are the one who has saved us. You see how there's like a transition now from this simple uh, cry of save us to you are the one who saved us. So today, as many of us are in a tough situation, we might want to just cry out, save us. And I would encourage you actually cry out, hey, you're the one who has saved us. So Hosanna is a great word. It's like a hallelujah or amen. It sort of captures so many meanings, right? You say amen, you know someone, you tell someone amen, they know you really agree with them. You know, you say hallelujah, you know you're like, oh yeah, God is great. Hosanna is one of those other key words. So I encourage you to make that part of like your vocabulary. And when you're feeling uh, rough and you're feeling down or you're feeling the, uh, the anxiety of, of these specific days, you can just say, you know what? Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of Kings, Hosanna in the highest and begin, you're, you're calling out to the one who can actually accomplish uh, what you need. <clears throat> so I want to go on and remind you, which Jesus also said this in John five twenty four. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes in me will have eternal life. You see, folks, I want to go back to this idea that, yes, God saves us from things, but he didn't come to save us from our circumstance. He came to save us from sin and death. And so Jesus here is reminding us, if you hear what he says, and these are his words, and you believe them, then you'll have eternal life. That is really the key of all this. Not, uh, oh, I've got such a fulfilling life. Isn't it amazing how much in our current time, a lot of that sort of Western sort of idea of comfort, wealth, and all of that is sort of not falling to the side because people still want it, but we realize, oh my goodness, so much of what we built our lives around, so much of what we got used to, so much of what meant so much to us 
it doesn't even exist anymore. We, we can't even do these things. You know, I was talking to people this weekend who were complaining because they can't go to their cottages up north. You know, imagine if that's the biggest problem in your life, right? And I know some people have much more meaningful problems. There are folks who can't afford to eat right now, maybe can't afford their rent or their mortgage. And these are real problems. And us as Christians, that's what we're here for. We're here to help. And we, you can, you can call out to us and, and call us and contact us for help with things like that. But really, it's the condition of man. It's a condition of our heart. It's a condition of our soul that is the thing that Jesus came to meet. Whether we're in quarantine, whether it's a plague, whether it's wartime, or whether it's completely fine and everything's normal and we go, Jesus still comes to call us to salvation. He is the one who came to save us. So if you're in a bad situation and you're feeling there's something going on in my heart and in my soul and my life, you cry, Hosanna, save us to the only one who actually can. That's Jesus, right? So I want to remind you of something as, as we come to, to a close here, that the Bible tells us the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. So for people who believe in Jesus, what that means is the same Holy Spirit that literally reanimated the body of Jesus Christ, which we'll celebrate uh, next Sunday on Resurrection Day. It, 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 right? It's important we don't think like in movie terms, right? It's not like, um, you know, uh, he became up and he was zombie-like. This is not at all the image. The same spirit that conquered death, that basically said everybody up until Jesus, when they died, their spirit went away, went to uh, Sheol, that's a whole other story, we'll talk about that, went somewhere and, uh, you know, waited for, for judgment. Everybody up to that point, that was it. Unless Jesus intervened. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead to foreshadow what was going to be coming. And then he himself, God the Holy Spirit, brings Jesus back to life. And so he is the one that validates the term Hosanna. When you say, save us, who are you going to ask to save you? Uh, this, The politician or the local community organizer or me, the pastor? No, you're going to ask the real Hosanna, the Hosanna in the highest, the one who can actually save you. So the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead can live in you. Look, look around you. We're all stuck in our homes, right? Look around your house. Okay, look around wherever you're watching this. Do you see him? Do you feel him? He is there right now, and it's not because your house is now the church. It's because you, the Bible tells us, you, when you believe in Jesus Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. You are the temple of God. So you can sit there right now and shout out, Hosanna, shout out, save us. Thank you for saving us. He is there, right there with you now, wherever you are. He's not coming out through YouTube. He's not. He's, he's there with you right now. And as I've been saying, the same miracles we've been praying before the uh, COVID-19 hit are the same things we're praying for today. And we just added all these other new things to it. The same things we've been praying for for weeks, for months, for years can be answered during this time. Because he is the God who saves us. There is no limitation. There is no rule book. There is no setting that's needed. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our circumstances, where we are, what's going on around us cannot change him. They might change us, but they cannot change him. Remember, Jesus in this story approached Jerusalem knowing what was going to happen to him. Okay? He knew. He even knew as the crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Even though in what they were saying they were right, he knew eventually that, that many of them would turn on him, including some of his own followers. You know, and I think part of that as I come to an end here, is because of sometimes our misplaced expectations, right? You see, the crowd acted appropriately, but their expectations were misplaced. 
So they were doing the right thing, but from the wrong motivation, at least some of them. And sometimes we're like that, even as Christians, or maybe you're out there. You, you, you're doing the right things, or you're like, yeah, God is real, God is good, God is there for me. But sometimes, maybe we got too comfortable, and I was like, wow, you know, God is good, look at me, I'm, I'm comfortable, I've got a job, I've got my kids, i got my house, i got my car, oh, isn't God good? And then God comes, and something comes, maybe it's you, God, takes it all the way, right? And then it's like, well, am I still good? Well, of course he's still good. Right? And then we wonder sometimes, oh, how believers can do it in some places where they don't have very little um, whatever. And folks, we're not even in that dire situation, but our circumstances cannot dictate who God is and what he does in our lives. In fact, maybe during this time where we have so much stripped away from us, we have so much taken away from us, and so much downtime, this is very much a time that we can let that reality sort of take root in us and give birth in something that's as different than before, so that we don't have that crutch in the future of, well, God is good because I have. It's a God is good because he's good. God is, sa- God is good because he saved me. Okay? The crowd at that time, they knew they needed saving, but they misunderstood what they needed saving from. And we can make that same mistake. Maybe we need to be saved from our ultra-hyper-materialism. Maybe we need to be saved uh, from the fact that, well, it's Saturday night, Habs are on, gotta watch the Habs, right? Like, that, that would be more personal uh, for me. Maybe we need to be saved from, like, well, every Tuesday I meet with this group and I do this and I do that and I do that. Maybe we're Maybe this is the moment that we're being saved from those habits and being shown that there's another way of doing things. Now, I'm not saying when the world comes back to normal, we can't do any of those things, but maybe we need to realign our priorities. Maybe God's showing us, you know what? You kind of did have time to get to get meet people for prayer. You know what? You kind of did have time to go talk to that person about me. You know what? You kind of did have time to read my word more because we were filling our lives with so many things that weren't good for us, and maybe he's saving us through this thing. <clears throat> but ultimately... All those things are worthwhile, of course, but ultimately what we need to be saved from, as we talked about, what Jesus was offering them, and he's offering them back then, and he's offering you today, is far more important than that, far deeper than any relief from our day-to-day circumstances or the problems facing us. He's literally here to save you and me. He's saving us from our sins, from the things we do and from the ways we are that are contrary to the way God would have us to live. He's saving us from our sins. And when he saves us, and when we walk in that salvation, those other things we talked about, it's funny, you find they take care of themselves. They get dealt with in piecemeal, or they lose their importance that we never have to even think about them because we've now put them in their proper place. I know there are people right now listening, taking part in the church, come to church, you've been free from some amazing things, from pain, from addiction, from oppressive situations, bad relationships, so many strongholds of evil that were in your life or in your families. And all of this is because Jesus willingly took the steps to approach Jerusalem. He got fed and he got celebrated, but he knew what was coming. And he, when they shouted Hosanna, they were shouting the truth. So in the same way, he knew that they would turn on him. He still kept on going because he had to finish the work at the cross. He had to go finish the work so that we could be saved. Imagine he had just stopped and said, well, I'm going to start a religious movement now. I've got some followers. I'll just keep on teaching them. They'll, they'll be, you know, I'll be famous and they'll, they'll support me and I'll have money. No, he kept on going and he did what needed to be done. So as we remember Jesus' approach and entry into Jerusalem and what that led to, now is the day to shout Hosanna. Maybe this morning you're saying, Hosanna, Lord, save me. 
If you're out there and you need to get saved, you, you've never really, you're not even sure you're a Christian. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never made your decision to be Christian. Now is the time through YouTube. Okay. Now is the time. Doesn't matter that we can't be church. Doesn't matter that we can't go outside. None of that matters. Now is the time. Can God save you through the internet? The answer is yes. He can because it's not about me or the words I'm saying. It's not about my voice accomplishing anything. If you need saving today, you know it. You just ask God, the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to people right now. And I encourage you to pray with me. Okay, so pray this with me. All right. Dear God, I know I need salvation. I know you love me and that Jesus came to live and to die and to rise again to save me from my sins. I repent. It means I turn away from my sins and my old ways. And I thank you for that. And I ask that you send the Holy Spirit to live in me, to help me to follow and to live for you forever. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that, then you, my friend, are a Christian. And we want so much to speak to you. So as I said at the beginning, you can contact me or anybody you know from the church via social media, however you can. You can text us, call us, or email info at transformationmtl.com and say, hey, that prayer that you did on the Sunday morning uh, on the YouTube thing, whether you watched it on Sunday or you watched it some other time, I did that thing. And I want to talk to somebody. I want to understand more. You contact us. Okay? And those of you who are already Christians, already disciples of Jesus, you can shout Hosanna and say, thank you. Thank you. You are actually the Hosanna. That despite my circumstances that we're going through right now, we can worship you. Thank you that we have the honor and privilege to pray for our society and for an end to this pandemic. Isn't that amazing? Keep on praying. Pray for our government. Pray for our uh, researchers. Pray for our doctors. Pray for healthcare workers. Pray for frontline workers. Pray for your grocery cashiers. Pray for those poor people at Costco and IGA and Loblaws and everywhere they are. Give them strength. Give them prosperity. And thank you, Lord, that you care for us and you pray today that many would come to know you as Lord and Savior through this time. Let's pray together. Lord, we know this year, you know this year, isn't turning out the way many of us expected. Many of us came into this year saying 2020 is a year of clear vision, it's a year of moving forward, and much things have ground to a halt. Like the crowd at Jerusalem as you approached, maybe we thought you're going to save us in a certain way and change us in a certain way in 2020, but you're doing something completely different. So Lord, help us just to see your work in our lives and in our world. We pray for everyone. We pray for safety. We pray for a resolution to this issue, Lord. We thank you for today, for all that you are and all that you do. We close by saying, Hosanna in the highest and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. God bless you all. Can't wait to see you all in person. But until then, goodbye.